Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, at Spotify. No matter where you listen to podcasts, we appreciate you all the same. We're back with not a full start in five, but a big four. A big four for sure. We haven't had all uh, like more than two of us, I feel like, in a minute. So it's uh, long overdue. It's the NBA Outsiders. We're here to talk basketball in a special way, something new for us. Very excited. But without further ado, let's bring in our co-host for today, John Lucas Duffy. What's up, buddy? PD, what up, what up, my guy? I'm ready to get to it tonight. Me too. Feeling, feeling, uh, feeling saucy about the stonks. Oh, my God. The stonks got everyone moving. We'll get into it in a minute. Also with us right now, Frank Volani. What's up? Hey, PD. How are you doing, brother? Fantastic. And last but not least, he's got another season going. Coach Kyle Anderson. What's up, kid? Turn me up. Turn me up. What up, everybody? <laughs> What's going on, man? Ready to go. Uh, I'm hyped. Yeah, man. Hype. Hype. A shout out to Andrew Duffy, not here with us for this episode, but we'll be back soon enough. I'm sure of it. And we have an exciting one because, like Duffy mentioned uh, when when we said hello to him, the stonks got people wiling. And this is not original. I've heard this on at least or seen it, you know, on the titles of at least two different podcasts now in the past week. You know, we're talking NBA and we're talking stocks. We're talking buying and selling. I know it's not the most original idea, but it's such a good way to talk about some of the stuff going on in this league right now because it's still wild. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. You know, what do we know? What can we look at with any sort of confidence in this league right now? Which team's records can we trust or statistics can we trust because the COVIDs and the injuries and it's still early. You know, it's just making us all run around like chickens without a head. But with every game, we get an inch more clarity, at least sometimes. Maybe not when the Wizards play the Nets because that... Those games are absolutely wild, as we've seen. So what we're going to do here on today's episode, it's a little bit of around-the-horn style. I would call it just around-the-horn, but that feels lazy. I haven't figured out a better name for it, but it's going to be an around-the-horn style, topic-based little game between Duffy, Frank, and Kyle. I'll be the mediator. I will be your Tony Reale. Wait, Pete, Pete. What's up? All right, just pause it and then go back and call it uh, Around the Arc. Around yeah, the arc. the outsiders, bro. The NBA the outsiders. Oh. Outside the perimeter. Oh, yeah, man. bro. I was going to Duff, what's us? I wasn't going to say that, but that was <laughs> my way. Around the world. I like that. Let's, uh, let's do thesaurus. Like when you're shooting, you know, you're shooting from every spot on the around the arc. All right. What if uh, we did a thesaurus for around and a thesaurus for horn and just changed it? <laughs> <laughs> just like, doesn't even make sense. <laughs> But Circumnavigating technic- the the trumpet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna ride with that for now. We're gonna circumnavigate the trumpet. Uh, we are still live. We're not. We're not editing that. We're just gonna let it ride. That's what we do here on the outsiders. One of the staples when the NBA outsiders originated. I like to bring it back to the OG hood. Like way when we first started. With, shout out to Bab when he was still with us. Um, we used to just be like, we don't fact check. You know, we, we shoot from the hip and we don't fact check. We just came up with a terrible name, circumnavigate the trumpet. <laughs> and that's that's the game we're going to play. We're going to circumnavigate the trumpet, a.k.a. around the horn. Disney, 
ESPN, don't come at me. I technically work for you. Does that count? Does that help me out in this situation? Anyways, that's what we're going to do. Uh, and like around the horn in this game of circumnavigate the Trump, that's way, it's way too much of a mouthful. We're going to need to work on that. But if I hear some good points, you're going to hear this noise. And if I hear some bad points, because I'm sure there's plenty of bad points to go around over here, you're going to hear this one. And that's what it'll be. I'm going to keep a, a loose, a loose-ish tracking on a notepad over here since this is an audio forum and I am the, the power holder. So I get to I get to count the points a little bit as I please, but I'm going to do my best to keep a little tally going for my three guys here. See how y'all do. Everybody good with that little system there? Everybody, everybody okay with that? Any objections? Yeah. I kind of wish you could mute me like the real Tony Reality, but Dude, hey, I'll take it. That would be awesome. We're going to have to figure out a way. I think in we're in Discord right now in Zoom. If you're the muted, you can just right click mute. That's all you gotta do, Pete. I could right click you all and mute. That's a oh my gosh. When get how it, did we never know about this? All right, that's amazing. <laughs> Somebody's gonna get muted today. I look forward to that. Um, all right, so, so that's that, that's what we're gonna do. Pretty much, we have a bunch of topics. Topics are broken out into a few different categories. We're gonna rip through and we're gonna talk about a bunch of fun NBA stuff. Um, and again, we got John Lucas Duffy, we got Frank Valenti, and we got Kyle Anderson. So I, I think we should just get going. I should have had like some intro music prepared or something, but anyways, welcome to Circumnavigating the Trumpet, an NBA Outsiders edition. It should be great fun. We're going to keep this one not clean, and we're going to go at each other's necks. That's how we play around here. So the first category is narratives, and the way it's going to work, we're going to buy or sell. Maybe if you want to hold, if you want to be a little fair-weathered, not sure about what you want to do yet, you can hold, but... I'm going to decide what's a good take, what's a bad take, who makes the good points, who makes the bad ones. And the first one is the hottest topic in the NBA right now. If you don't know, it's kind of interesting because Bradley Beal, according to many who don't have sources and just watch TV, read between the lines or saying this guy wants a damn trade. But the reporters who apparently know people, but also know people who want people to know a certain thing, say that he doesn't want to be traded. It's the biggest elephant in the room that is the NBA right now. It could change whatever conference he goes to if he does get traded. So first things first, Bradley Beal wants to be traded. John Lucas Duffy, buy or sell? I'm buying that 100% because the the thing you always hear before someone gets traded is that they're, the team is absolutely not trading him or that the person absolutely doesn't want to be traded. So... He's he's as good as gone. I don't know where he's going, Philadelphia, but he's as good as gone. <laughs> How dare you? That's the best yeah. spot for him. We you know it. We go. So we go. definitely got the oof for saying just Philadelphia in general because I think the rest of your point was good. I'm I'm gonna take it to just piggyback because I'm also buying that this guy wants no part of Washington anymore. And it's to to the first point you made. Just the eye test. There's multiple possessions on offense where he will just stand still and not even really ball watch, just kind of stand there. Um, there's timeout huddles, you know, ATO. He's not even sitting with people. He's sitting off by the scorer's table by himself. Uh, this is about as checked out as I've seen a player since James Harden gained 20 pounds and <laughs> forced his way out of Houston. So it actually hasn't been that long, but we're here. Kyle? You you definitely got have to buy this because, um, how how much more suffering can this guy go through? 
you know, last year he wasn't an all-star. He's on a ter- he's in a terrible a part of a terrible franchise. He thought he was getting help, but probably got help from somewhere he definitely did not want it from in Russell Westbrook. Everywhere where Russell Westbrook has been in the past couple of years has not really gone over too well. So he I'm 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 sure he's he's said everything the right, you know, all the right things for Westbrook coming into the season. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, we're gonna make something happen. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to playing with him. But honestly, he knows what kind of shots he's going to be taking. And he's probably like, dude, this is not what our team needs right now. You know, we need if we're if we're really going to develop this thing and I, I have any shot of staying here, I need to see some kind of development, some some promise. And and Westbrook is just a Band-Aid on all the problems that the organization has had. So I'm definitely buying. Um, good points all around by everybody. Uh, I have a couple points for each. I have Frank le- leading that round so far, by the way. Uh, Bradley Beal, true or false? Over, under four more shots than the person in second uh, for, for field goals attempted a game. That's not a, a real question that made sense, but you know what I mean. You're talking on average? On average for field goals attempted over, I don't know why over. I said true or false, over, under four more shots per game than the guy in second. Over. Duffy? Under. I'm going to say uh, under because he's playing with Russell Westbrook. Frank gets another yes, point. Sir. It's over. Yeah, that's it. I'll tell you why it's oh, over, too. Damn. Everybody loves to shit on other people for shooting 40% when they score, like, 40 points. Homie scored 47 on, like, 43 shots the other night. I knew he was chucking. But that was going to be – if I was going to sell, that was going to be my point, is that he's just exhausted because he shoots – non-fucking-stop. Somebody somebody definitely had an opportunity to make some good sell points just because there is, you know, actual reports coming out that he has not asked for a trade. The Wizards are not interested in trading him, which could be true, just doesn't mean that it's not happening by t- the time this podcast comes out tomorrow. But 25.9 field goals... have been exactly, doing this too long. Exactly. been doing this too 100%. That's why I'm with you guys. But there is a good take on the sell front there. 25.9 field goals attempted per game for Bradley Beal. Second place, Jason Tatum, 21.3. So that's four more shots. So yes, he's averaging 35, but you know, a modest 48%, a modest 34% from three on I seven attempts. The- and shout know- out to uh to Andrew Duffy to Frank's point, who in our group chat was blowing up the the chat when the Wizards were playing against the Nets. And he's just talking about how completely unmotivated Bradley Beal looks playing yep. against theoretically like the toughest team in the East. And he just, no part of him wanted to be there. So long before Rosillo had that take on his podcast, and by long before, I mean 12 hours, uh, <laughs> Andrew Duffy was saying the exact same thing, just completely losing his mind. Andrew Duffy gets yeah, a and point. And the craziest as well. thing is he's killing dudes while doing it. That's the craziest part. Andrew Duffy gets a yeah. point. He's now tied with Duffy and Kyle with one point. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying, Bradley Beal. There, there's got to be a point soon where we got to start saying, "All right, dude, you keep scoring forty, y'all have lost ten in a row when you score forty. So maybe you should uh, focus on getting your assist from four to four point seven to maybe seven point oh, like a true number one superstar should be at a guy who handles the ball as much as him. So maybe there's some criticism that should be going Bradley Beal's way at some point in the future. And if he decides to be 
a Damian Lillard, a Carl Malone. Oh, Malone actually went to the Lakers at the end. A Dirk Nowitzki, somebody who stays with the franchise forever, right? If he decides to try to be one of those guys, you're going to have to do more to make your teammates better. Uh, I don't know where he's going to go. Duffy says the Sixers. Frank, one word. What team do you want to see him on? The Pelicans. Pelicans. Oh, I, I kind of like that, by the way. Uh, Kyle, what team? Clippers. Clippers. Who's getting traded? Paul George? I mean, the rest of the bench, just like every other team does. Just everybody I mean, like, else. What the hell? There's going to be there's gonna be three studs and, you know, three studs Nets and West. Six, six bench guys. Yeah, they'll be the Nets West. Like, why shouldn't they? Yeah. You know, like everyone else is doing it. All the cool kids are doing it. Shit. No, you pick, might as well. No picks you know? for the for the Clippers forever, if that's the case. But we shall see what happens with Bradley Beal. Oh, but on to you know, our their, their owner wants to win tomorrow anyway. Yeah, you know it's it, true. He doesn't care about five years from now. Steve Ballmer wanted to win yesterday. You know he, he's 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 losing it. And, and you know what? The Clippers are looking damn yeah. good right now. So we have to give them some credit. We're going to talk about them uh, in a little bit later on. All right, on to our next narrative topic here. This one's a fun one for me. I'm very excited to see where this goes. And it's pretty simple. It's about two people in particular. If you don't know, then you don't listen to enough NBA outsiders or watch enough basketball. But here is the topic. Can a center win MVP this year? Obviously, that's talking about Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Kyle Anderson, you went last last time. You go first this time. What say you? I'll buy it. And the reason is because if based on narratives, correct? This is the category narratives. The category right? is narrative. Every so every year, okay, they're trying to establish some kind of a new narrative. Last year, a guy won MVP and defensive MVP in the same year. Uh also last year, a two-time MVP, you know, a back-to-back MVP. Um now I'm not saying they if either of those guys won the MVP, it would only strictly be because of narrative i think they're both playing mvp you know caliber right now because they're both you know nicole Jokic is averaging you know a triple double or was averaging triple double 25 point triple double and Embiid is just destroying everyone every night so i can see it happening just based on their productivity but also just because knowing what the nba usually does for every single year they try and just create a new guy to promote and in brand, you know, and, and these are two international guys. Well, this is kind of perfect for the NBA. If that was the stance that they want to take, you know, someone else to promote overseas, like, hey, you know, a guy from Africa or a guy from Europe, two guys that, you know, can con- and, and two guys with personalities, you know, another another two things. So I would definitely buy it. Uh, good job finishing up there. You were you were one more sentence away from getting muted right there, by the way. So just keeping keeping everyone honest over here. We're not gonna go too too long, but that was very well done by you, Kyle. There, some I good just, points. I just got I just got good points, man. I do That's have it. to dock you for one thing though. You said he was averaging a triple double. He may have been averaging a triple double over like a portion of games, but he's not averaging a triple double for the season at any point. So a quick little for you, Kyle. But great points all around, uh, Frank. What's your take on this? Uh, I'm gonna sell. Um. I mean, I don't want to like spoil <laughs> upcoming topics, but I kind of think our trophy lies elsewhere this year. Uh, just, just not with either of the aforementioned players. They're having great years, and 
specifically to to Joel Embiid's case, I know it's kind of manifesting itself in the Sixers record, and they're they're still number one in the conference, right? Yep. So that bodes well, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think our MVP trophy is going to end up on the uh, the West Coast somewhere. Okay, okay. A, a, a modest answer from Frank, but a sell. Duffy, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to buy this. One of the biggest reasons is, like, at least, if, I think it's at least half of all NBA MVP trophies have gone to centers just over the history of the league. So really? Definitely possible. Yeah, look it up. It's it's really close to half. Meanwhile, it's none since easily. Shaq in 2000, by the way. I, d- I didn't want to say that part, so you can say that part, but you already gave me the point, so yeah. thank you. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. You just tag that point onto me. It was <laughs> a, sell, a sell point. Nope. <laughs> uh, I love Kyle's point about the international uh, promoter, promotion, by the way, but that was very like akin to the WWE chat we were having last week, Pete. And uh, shout out to Kyle for that one, but... Joel Embiid is shooting. He's a 70% true shooting percentage this season. So that's insane considering yeah. the volume he puts up. Like he only has 16 attempts per game, but that's just because he gets to the foul line 11 or 12 times a game. Um, so he is, and I've said this for years, he's just kind of like the big man James Harden at this point, and he feels so much more comfortable in the post doing whatever he wants, passing out of double teams, scoring, face up kicking out the open shooters. But the other the, the flip side of that is like we've been seeing Jokic do this for years. And now after seeing I think the biggest thing that helps Jokic's case this season is what Murray was in the playoffs last season. So we've seen what a guy like Murray can be and he's been nowhere close to that this season. So Jokic for them to be remain competitive because they threw so much like, oh, we don't need Jeremy Grant. We don't need you know Mason Plumley. We have, we have Jamal Murray. We have Michael Porter Jr. And we have Nikola Jokic. Like we're going to be totally fine. And right now it's just Jokic doing absolutely everything for that team to, so they maintain relevancy. And even the pretty convincing win they put over the Jazz, who have just been torching the NBA, was a massive moment for them. So I, I think those two guys are really kind of dominating two pretty big narratives in their respective conferences already. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, some some quick stats for Joel Embiid. 16 games so far. That'll come up in a second. But 28 points, 11 rebounds, just under three assists, a steal, and a block. Every single game on 54% from the field, 40% from three on three attempts, and a very, very strong 84, <clears throat> excuse me, the free throw line. Nikola Jokic already at 20 games. That is something that nobody mentioned, so a big for everybody because that should be the number one thing for Joel Embiid. It's why no one ever picks him to win MVP anyway is because you never expect him to play 90% plus of a team's games. So he's already missed a handful. You know, if they're in the one seed, how many more does he miss as they get closer to playoffs? I don't know, but for the Sixers, it's all about the playoffs. I don't know if it's all about the MVP. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's a COVID year, so he could actually COVID win <clears throat> Excuse me, with less games. And then Jokic, 27 points per game, just under 12 rebounds, 8.5 assists, 57% from the field, which is better than Embiid, 38% from three on four attempts, and uh, also 84 
percent from the free throw line. Dumb, stupid numbers for those two centers. I think it's possible, man, and I look forward to seeing one of those two guys at at, at minimum the top three of the MVP voting. I can see them both being in the top three, and that's damn exciting for today's NBA. Anyways, on to our next topic. I lost the topic. Oh, here we go. This one's kind of simple. We've talked about this team a good bit since the big James Harden trade was made. We know that their defense has been atrocious and their offense has been unbelievable. In fact, it's on pace to be one of, if not the best offenses of all time if they keep it up. But the question is, on our last narrative topic, can the Nets win it all or just win, let's just say get to the finals for now, with this defense being so bad. Frank, you're up first. I'm selling, and I can't be happier that you went to me first. Um, I saw a stat the other day, and it was basically like overall offense and overall defense, and the Nets are in first place for overall offense, and they're in last place for overall defense, and the number that they are above on the next closest team, so they're up 9.1 points per game offensively above the next best offensive team and they're 9.1 points below the next worst defensive team shut up so i think you need your strength to outweigh your weakness for you to win a finals and i know it's a legendary weakness but if you can't stop a nosebleed like and deandre jordan's gonna be having to deal with lebron james and anthony davis rim running the finals like i'm sorry you, you ain't winning that shit so sell all right, Kyle, what do you think? I'm selling as well. And um, you make a good point there, Frank, about, you know, DeAndre Jordan, you know, seeing Jeff Green playing a lot of these minutes um, at the five, what I keep thinking about is when the Heat put Crowder on Anthony Davis to start the series last year, and Anthony Davis ate him alive, and then they had to switch out and put, um, bam on him, and bam just couldn't last. And I think that's the same exact thing that's going to happen here. They, 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 and and you know what? As opposed to matchups, just effort alone. You know, they they had some good, you know, some some big stops tonight. But honestly, there are also just missed opportunities, missed shots from the Clippers. It's not like they're getting legitimate stops where it's like, all right, hey, this guy's hunkering down on defense, has his heels you know, into the court and he's sliding, you know, and we're getting good rotations and stuff. It's just guys just happen to be missing shots. There's nothing about the Nets right now that it says, hey, you know what, this team, there's there's one guy on this team right now that is going to get a stop. Everyone is consistently, um, yeah, just, just giving up buckets, you know, from the first guy to the last guy. So I, I it's it's not looking good for the Nets right now. So... All right, so the Celtics so far this season against legitimate playoff contenders, so I'm talking here the Celtics, the Jazz, Sixers, Nuggets, uh, Bucks. You're talking about the Nets against these teams, right? Yeah. Heat twice, and now the Clippers tonight. They're undefeated against those teams in this season. And they've been playing. They've been playing down to their competition in the regular season. And they've been playing up to their competition. This is something Frank and I talked about before the podcast. Yeah. But Frank, I bet you didn't know how drastic it was. So like 
seriously, they've been taking it to to teams like crazy. If that like if they they're mentally, and we talked about this with the Warriors and teams like that, where they just kind of check out. Where there's 82 game teams and there's 16 game teams when they're thinking about the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how the Nets are. So I'm buying that this team can win a championship because I think the only thing that they're really going to need to lock in and be good enough on defense so that their offense outweighs their weakness, Frank, like you spoke about, is James Harden. And there were a bunch of times where I said to you, he just fell asleep, you know, weak side, off the ball, defense, and this guy just got a wide open shot. Stuff like that was happening. But I was definitely seeing a ton of possessions where, I won't say a ton, a, a a good chunk of possessions where, KD or Kyrie was really locked in. And Frank, even you conceded that Kyrie Irving was doing a really good job on uh, Kawhi and Paul George when they were trying to go to work in the mid post. Yep. So I this is multiple I, possessions where he he didn't cause a turnover, but he got the ball out of, you know, out of their hands or put up a really tough contested shot. Yep. Or, you know, like moments where Kawhi is obviously he's trying to, you know, work in the post and he's going up against James Harden, which we know that's just a terrible idea because that's the one defensive thing he's good at is post-defense. So, so much of basketball, especially in the playoffs, is getting stops late in the game. And if you can just win, if they can just keep it close, they'll never be out of a game with the offensive firepower they have ever. I don't care how many points they're ever down. Mm -hmm. They'll never be out of it. And at the end of the game, if they can string together a few stops, that's all it's going to take. Like tonight, it was a close game. It was a really close game. The whole night, the last... Two minutes, basically, two two to three minutes. The Nets just dominated. And they ended up winning by almost ten, or what it, what it felt like towards the end. That that's hey, a, Duff, it's from, only a four most, point game, but it wasn't teams. even that close. It wasn't that close at all. Yo, what were those seven teams again? Before. Duff, you said the Celtics, Jazz, and who else? Do you have those teams again? Uh, it was yeah, Celtics, it was, Jazz, it Sixers, was, Clippers. Yeah, Celtics, Jazz, Sixers, Nuggets. Um. Bucks, Heat twice, and the Clippers. Damn, gotcha. That's that's from impressive what stuff. I, Duff. What you got I, a double from what I, from what I heard from that Undefeated list, though, besides, besides the Nuggets and the Sixers, which one of those teams has an effective five? Like, who's going to get buckets out of those? You know, I mean, out of those seven teams, besides it, I'll say besides the Nuggets and the Sixers. Which one of those oh, fives are center. you like, dude? That's yeah. Which one of the, which one of those centers are you like, oh, like, dude, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a headache to defend. You can count Anthony I, Davis yeah. in there, probably. Definitely. No, no, but I'm saying, but I'm saying Anthony Davis. It, I'm saying that Anthony Davis against the Lakers, you know, as as a Laker against this against the Nets, that's the toughest matchup for me. You know, all right, you got him one night. All right, can you beat him for for you know for three more games though? You know, are you gonna? No, are definitely. You gonna, we talked it, about this. Well, you know, that, that's my that's my thing. I mean, because you can, I mean, shit, you can you can win one game. You know, you can get up for one game. But dude, all right, you got to play seven. You got to play seven games though. You know, we definitely you, talked about that. I definitely see where you're coming from. But when you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and the Warriors were like this too. Where if if you if your center is your best player and you're trading twos for threes, you're you're losing. You score every possession and you're losing. I was True. D- Duffy, you but, took those words right out of my if mouth. You're, but if you're but I'm, I get that. But if you're not getting stops either, you know, say say you know say Harden pulls his postseason shit. 
say Kyrie is, you know, taking way too many shots in the fourth quarter, like how he, he has done in the past. Well, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll jump in for a second here because I'm, I'm, I'm itching a little bit over here, but I'm just say this because I was about to say what Duffy said about the center. If the center's your strength, they can take that away from you. But in regards to those guys getting on their bullshit, in a way, you hope that they can keep each other in check because they all have to. They have no choice at this point. But also, we're judging this team that just got together. They've been together for what? James Harden was traded, what, two and a half weeks ago? So for all the negatives, you have to think that they iron out some of them, at least maybe one or two of them. We didn't talk about the trade possibilities. That would be you know a little bit too outside of the conversation, but I don't know. I think they can get better in some aspects, no? Frank, what do you think? I just think the the I mean you guys make good points about trading twos or threes, but like if, if DeAndre Jordan's gonna be your guy protecting the rim, you're in deep shit. All right, which, you, you but I, all right, all right. What, what's harder? What's more difficult? Shooting jump shots or or posting up? What's harder? More physically Shoot. taxing. What's harder? Probably shooting a jump shot. What's more physically, more physically taxing, taxing? Posting up. Okay, and which is why we see Embiid always out of gas at the end of games. So if that's you're just continuously going to the five and they're continuously just playing a physical game, and then I have three guys who can score in all different ways and I can go to different guys constantly. Like I'm thinking about the Sixers and who in the East is their is the most difficult matchup. And like think of Giannis where he has to get do so much work and like freaking gymnastics to get to the rim. He can do that because he's a freak, but it's just going to be harder it's just a battle of attrition by the time you get to the end of the game or you're doing that game after game after game in a series like you're talking about that's going to be more physically taxing and tougher for the other team but who's but you know what? Also physically taxing for those guys oh, on yeah. the nets there isn't there isn't one that's, I mean, that's the problem is that they're there is nobody that makes it physically taxing it's it's free buckets in the paint all day every day barbecue chicken like my man Shaq <laughs> would be fucking eat and and also i think the other thing is depth like we're assuming that KD, Kyrie, and Harden are going to be playing 38 minutes a game. Like, all right, so all right, so once they get off the court, who who's who's defending the second unit for the Lakers? You know, who's who's, who's defending the first unit? Schroeder and, and Anthony Davis in the second unit. Who's do, who's stopping the no, first unit? Like, I don't even know. No, no, I, I that's I mean that's I mean that's kind of my point from before, but like I, I don't think the five is the strength of the Lakers. I think it's just a matchup that's going right. to be a problem. I'm it, not saying like oh dude, like they're going to destroy them if you know if Anthony Davis is on, is on the floor. But the thing is, all right, once Anthony Davis gets off the floor, now Montrezl Harrell, who's going to control the boards? Who's going to box out? That's who's going to stop? That's they a real issue. No, like a defensive rebound like, is a team. Wait, you I, know think what's... My, I think that's that's the biggest problem is the depth. Like who are right, so who's the next guy that comes in after say Joe Harris or you know Jeff, Jeff Green? Oof, you know, I, I think that's a that's a big problem. They definitely got it's, some work to do in that regard. They got some work to do in that regard. My favorite thing about this whole conversation though is that somehow, some way, Duffy is now on the side of like not not that he's anti Sixers, but he's on the side of the enemy of the Sixers. And I can see him slowly with this Nets team being just fascinating. It's his new favorite team, dude. Yeah, he's going back to his old New Jersey roots. It might be Brooklyn, baby, but Duffy's on the Nets bandwagon. I can smell it. I can smell it. I don't know how you any basketball <laughs> the fan most not just fair so weather fan of enamored, all time. enamored, Duff. So I'm with enamored you. By 
I'm enamored by the Nets. It's it's interesting as fuck, but I don't cheer for (laughs) them. And just real quick, rebounding, the Nets out-rebounded the Clippers tonight. Wow. Well, I mean, honestly, when you got old-ass Ibaka and what's that dude, number 40? What's his name? Zubat. He doesn't do shit, man. Like I, I don't know. I can't. I can't buy this this game tonight. Like Ibaka, like, I'm gonna keep coming at you yo, next. And then yo, we'll see Ibaka, Ibaka is a stretch four. He shouldn't be playing the five, but he plays the five for the Clippers. Ibaka is a forty year old grown ass man. He's bro, exactly, man. <laughs> he should be Ibaka out there getting rebounds. Kids. DeAndre Jordan Ibaka is might be, Ibaka might be a granddad, bro. Like, come on, man. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let, let me let could I introduce this next one because it ties in, bro. I got a little well. Let, thing. let me just you're gonna hit. No, no, you got Easy. it. You got it. Let me just give a quick roundup of of our points yeah. for a second. Hell yeah. We actually got um a late surge by Duffy here. He had uh, just before this last round, he had less points than Frank and Kyle, and then he had a double ding uh, uh, early. I forget where he had the double ding from. I think it might have been the Nets. I was reading off all their wins against yeah, that was undefeated a, run against playoff opponents. That was like, a double ding. So that puts Duffy up to, to six points right now. Frank's got four. Kyle's got four. Andrew Duffy's got one. All right. Our, our next topic <laughs> Our next topic is... Wait, before before you go on, I'm, you, I'm out. I'm ending on that high oh note. Oh, my gosh. I got I to gotta be at work mad early tomorrow. So good news for all the listeners. I'm done early tonight. All right. Duff, shout out to you. You came in, you did what you had to do, you took care of business, and we appreciate you. Go get some rest, brother. I don't appreciate you. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. He needs some milk. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so (laughs) goodbye to Duffy there. Uh, He went out with a bang. And uh, now we move on to our next category, which is players. So we had narratives. Now we got players. We're buying and selling on the stocks of players. And last, we'll have teams slash coaches. So, Frank. You wanted to intro this last segment. This one's personal to you, I think. I mean, this first, next segment. But it, it also it also ties into what we were just talking about. So kind of, sort of. I love a good it's, tie. It's, it's just, it's, it's the Knicks and the defense and the defensive rebounding and kind of how that all correlates. The, the Knicks actually have probably like the number two or number one rated defense right now, depending upon if which metrics you're looking one. at. Number yeah. one before and, last night. Yep, or and going then, into last I mean, night, rather. After the the Nets helped us out and put up one thirty on the 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 Clippers, I think we might actually be number one again. But uh, regardless, the Knicks are doing all this while being the twenty fifth worst defensive rebounding team, meaning they give up, you know, the fifth most offensive rebounds of all these teams in the league right now, which mm-hmm. is like absolutely mind boggling to me when I did. What that means exactly. That is, what is that means that they give up the most offensive their they give up the fifth most offensive rebounds of any team, but they are still one of the best defensive teams, even oh, though they're wow. giving up second opportunities. Yeah. Facts. They don't have a, a lot, lot of possess they don't have a lot of possession enders. Even Mitchell Robinson's a better offensive rebounder than defensive rebounder. Randall's probably their best defensive rebounder, and he's, you know, six eight. So continue. Yep. Um so that that was just be like my little tie-in to the Knicks, which is kind of where we're moving. We're oh, talking yes. about the Knicks' new rookie, and I mean it's probably way too early, but we're buying or selling Obi Toppin, boys. Buying mm. or selling Obi Toppin? Do we think he is a legitimate NBA player? That's pretty much it. Is he is he even a rotational guy? Oof. Is he a role player? I just oofed. I didn't even hit the button. That- 
was cheese. Now I'm hitting all sorts of buttons. I apologize. It applied, though. It applied. <laughs> Go ahead, so, Kyle. Yeah, I'll kick it off to Kyle because I don't know if Pete's actually playing. <laughs> I'll dabble. Right. Yeah, Pete, you should, you should jump in. All right. Um, it's just, it's like you almost don't want to admit it. It's it almost like it hurts. Like, it, you know what? And, and I'm going to sell it. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to buy it. Buy it that he is, ain't it? He, um, I know it's injury, and you can kind of tell if someone can jump right onto a floor. Unfortunately, he has the other guy that's on our team, uh, IQ that as ball, and we'll get into that in a minute. But he, you can see that he just gets onto the floor and he instant production, and he kind of fits. He gets into the flow. Uh, he knows when to look for a shot. He um, has good feel for the game. He, you know, gets other people involved. Like Obi Toppin, like when he gets into the ball, I mean, gets into the game, you can tell that he's super, super uncomfortable. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's nervous, maybe it's confidence, but he's in a position where he doesn't even need to know, you know, necessarily his role right now. But what he can do, is defend his ass off. He can come in and clean up the glass. He can come in and get putbacks. He can just play on the floor right now, just on strictly on effort. And it's kind it's kind of tough to see right now. You know, I, I and maybe it's he's unsure of what he's supposed to do on the court. And I hope that's really it because obviously we don't want to know that. You know, we've already wasted a pick. But you know, that's it. Just as of right now, I'm just I'm just not feeling it. You know, not gonna get good vibe from him right now yeah and you said it perfectly at the the very beginning that's like i know it i just don't want to admit it really yeah um and it's kind of it's fucked up it's you know it's 20 games guy really hasn't gotten a fair shake but he's played 12 yeah he's and he hasn't them all exactly it's a good point but like i have seen absolutely nothing like not a single redeeming basketball quality, I think. Like, yeah, he can jump. Like, I don't, that doesn't enamor me. It, it just doesn't. He's doesn't seem that fast. He doesn't seem that quick. Um, me and Kyle got pretty heavy into this before we started recording. But like, he's he's the anti Kyrie Irving, where Kyrie Irving never slows down to change directions. Obi Toppin has to come to a complete stop. Mm-hmm to even you know change a five degree direction and it just seems like he's billed as like this guy is an nba level athlete he he's got flying colors on all of our on a pre-draft agility and and vertical and speed and then he gets out in the, the court and he like he sits in the corner with his hands up doesn't get the ball 99 percent of the time like kind of puts his head down smiles runs back the other way gives up a backdoor pass or gets worked because he just can't move well enough, which could be to the injury point. Um, but it's, it's just like there, there hasn't been a single thing shown to me where I could be like, okay, that's an NBA transferable skill or move or, or anything size. Like it, he just hasn't shown that he even knows how to use his size properly. He doesn't so, even really look big on the NBA court, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this button, Frank, and it's not directed at you. It's directed at 
all the things said about this man because unfortunately they're feeling kind of true. It, it's an oof when you're watching him. That's what you want to say. Oof, like oh, come on, like whoa, come on, dude, like get going, get moving somewhere. And, and you want to poke him with a stick and just say do something. I'm not gonna. Just so I'm not. Do something. I'm not uh, buying that he ain't it because that was the original question. Is Obi? It, now, is Obi Topin ain't it? Now I wrote Obi Topin ain't it, but basically, are you buying that he is not it, or are you selling and saying he might have it still? So I'm gonna sell for now and it's solely based off the fact 12 minutes per game in just 12 games he's taking four shots a game two of them are threes which he's in the corner he takes them in the flow of the offense a little bit not hitting them right now uh but there needs to be some effort things the one thing that resonated with me i think both of you guys said it so i'll give a double ding for both of you guys here but one thing we expected from obi Toppin when he came in the league yo you don't even got to run plays for this guy. You know, backdoor cuts, which he's shown slight flashes of. You know, put-back dunks, offensive rebounding, running the floor in transition, and none of it has come to fruition yet. But the only reason I'm saying we cannot call him a bust yet, we cannot start hating too, too hard, is because he's played 12 minutes a game, and Tibbs is not exactly putting him in situations to succeed, and that's probably in part because those situations don't exist yet. But we're, we're going to have to give time. Uh, to to see if he can figure some things out, but it's been ugly so far for Obi Toppin. Uh, right. Like like I remember when when Zion just came into the league or was about to come into the league, and a lot of people were kind of questioning like, oh, is he going to do? Is he going to be able to do what he's doing in college in the NBA? And is that same production going to happen in the NBA? And I remember telling people like, yeah, everyone knows I listen to the pod. I'm a Duke fan, so I I love watching. You know, that, that season was probably the best season ever. But watching watching him play, I remember telling people, like, dude, he's going to get 10 and 10 on effort alone because he plays harder than everyone else on the floor. If Obi Toppin can do that, he's going to find more minutes. But if you look like you're lost all the time, you're going to continue to stay on the bench. If you're a guy, you know, just as a coach, if you're someone that can give me energy right off the bench and maybe, all right, hey, he screws up a player, you know, here or there, but he gives me energy and he can get get me some rebounds, close out possessions or putbacks, that's a guy that I need to put on the floor that can eat up some minutes for Randall when he's sitting on the bench. Maybe he's the reason why Randall is playing like 40 minutes a game. You know, he's just waiting <laughs> on top of him to just pick up. Do something, like, bro. dude. You know? You know, it's funny. You know who I think of? And they're not particularly similar players. But just the growth of this guy, I think, should resonate with what we all, you know, dream of for Obi Toppin. Rashawn Holmes. This guy came into the league, you know, he kind of wanted to shoot some threes and you didn't really know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, like, a flip switched with him and he was an absolute grinder and he was getting physical. He's trying to rebound. He's trying to end people's careers by dunking on them. And, you know, obviously there's times where you can have that bite you in the butt if you're going a little bit too off the rails. But I kind of want to see Obi like go for some things, try to make stuff happen, be physical, throw your body around. That's like all be a you dog. can. That's all you can be offer. At, if that's all you can offer at this point, you you still got to offer it. You know what I'm yep. saying? So yeah. I don't know who they exact said comp is. You said you said I think you said gritty, a little bit of grit. I might have. Dude, dude needs a little bit of grit to his game. Like, you know, stop smiling at everybody you see. They're not your favorite NBA player. They're your competition now. Let's go. Let's lock in. Right, and that's stop why, being so stop being so complacent. 
Absolutely. And he's kind of just like floating around the court. He's just existing on the court and he seems okay with it. Um, so we got to see if he, you know, finds that fire, if he can figure out where he needs to be on the court. I think it's too early. You guys both, you know, are saying he is not it right now. And I, I, I respect that. I'm just not going to say it yet because we got to give this guy, you know, one game where he gets 25 minutes. Like, let's see what happens. Uh, but that's not going to happen <clears throat> until Tibbs maybe gets fired. Who knows? Uh, which is, <laughs> which is, is it not happening, obviously, because he's been doing pretty good. We'll get to Tibbs in a minute. Real quick on Emmanuel, quickly. I, I, I want to make this one lofty. I want to make this one an intense question. Because if I just said, is Emmanuel quickly it? Obviously, we're yes. all buying that. This guy's been yep. absolutely legit. <laughs> Not just for a rookie, but for an NBA player, he's been very, very real so far. Can Emmanuel quickly really? I'll say this: Can he be a top three rookie of the year candidate? Mm. Yes. yes, I believe so. Can he win the rookie of the year if he gets more minutes? Mm. Not at his current minute share. He doesn't play enough. Alfred Payton plays too much. Yeah, and I but, think and I think Lamella Ball too. That's, yeah, that's what, that's I mean, with, he's got yeah. a lot of attention over there. Yeah. Right. Well, for not mentioning Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese well, Halliburton, my guy. That's I know. I know. Let me get, let get to the you know? West Coast. <laughs> no, I started the East to West. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm messing around, but uh, quickly looking legit right now. His numbers read uh, tw- twelve and a half points. Two and a half rebounds, just under three assists. His his field goal percentage is forty percent right now, which is not great. But he's thirty six percent from three. Line. He's absolutely like can't miss at the free throw line. He's ninety four percent right now, uh, and that floater game is so so strong. And his feel is there, and he's got a a, a real uh, what's the word I'm looking for assassin quality to him. He's not afraid. Yeah. He's shooting in the fourth quarter just like he's shooting in the first quarter of a damn preseason game. He doesn't care. He's letting he, it fly. I love it. He actually shoots better in the fourth quarter. All of his 30-foot three-point shots that he's made this year have been in fourth quarters. Oh, Frank steals a quick oh, point. At the and end I end. just wanted to ask you, how many minutes a game is he playing to average all those numbers? Um, 19 and a half. 19 and a half points for 12 and a half and how many assists? Uh, just under three. Just under three. That's pretty good production. Pretty That's good damn production. good production for Alfred Payton's 28 minutes a game, 11 Disgusting. points, three and a half assists. Right. So you meant let's start IQ. Please. Let's start IQ and let's Please move on. And thank you. Let's move on to our next topic. Uh, this one is close to home for me because I've tweeted about it. I spoke about it on the show last week and he just hit a dagger against the New York Knicks who we were just talking about two nights ago. Yeah, we had a bad game, bro. By He did have a bad game, but still. By <laughs> or One of the points I said was, <laughs> if you're rooting against the Bulls and he has the ball at the end of the game, you're nervous. You're nervous because that guy can do a lot of things in the court. Anyways, buy or sell. Zach Levine is good for real. For real. Frank, what do you got? I'm perplexed and... I mean, I'm going to buy, he's obviously like, it's obviously pretty good, but I don't, I'm not buying how good he has been this year. Is is that what the question is? My is question is before this year, it was a pretty common take to say Zach Levine is empty stats. He's empty calories. 
he, you know, somebody has to score, so he's scoring 25. Um, so my question is, is he a impactful winning basketball player for real, for real, finally? I'm going to have to sell then the way you frame it, just because, I mean, he's having the best year of his career. He, he, he is obviously not the problem and not the reason why the Bulls are not at least a 500 team. I believe they're 8-11. and 11. Um, I mean, he's averaging 26 points, shooting nearly 50-40-90, which I've been talking about this guy all fucking day. So uh, I can spit you all the numbers you want. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's that good. You know what I mean? I think he's good, but I don't think he's one of the best players in the NBA, which is what his numbers so far this year would suggest. So it's kind of like a tough question for me to answer, but I, I guess for the sake of how I think it's framed, I'm going to sell because I don't think he's necessarily elevating anyone around him on the bulls. He's not helping them win games like i said they are eight and 11 still and you know there is not much around him but um he's a tough shot taker he loves to take shitty shots i just can't get all in on a guy like that i just personally can't so uh for that i'm going to have to sell kyle um i'm going to buy um i think zach levine is legit and I think he's going to be an all-star this year. Um, his stats have gone up every single year. So starting from 2017, 16.7, 2018, 23.7, 2019, 25.5, and this year, 26.6. Assists have gone up. Rebounds have gone up every year, and three-point percentage has gone up. And he's now at touch. I mean, obviously early in the season, but he's he's touched – He's at 41, 42% right now. So this is a guy that's every year he's gotten better. And although, you know, they're the, the Bulls aren't too good, and he's he's got a young, young crew, you know, Kobe White and um why am I Lori. losing his name right now? My man, well, Lori Marganin, and then uh my man from uh Wendell Carter from Duke. Yeah, who's um, been hurt lately recently. He's got a, you know they they've they've got some they've got some guys. It's just when you're young, and you know you have to learn on the fly, and you have a guy that's kind of already established. You have to and and, and a guy that's not really. I mean, I'm saying already established, but not really. I mean, he's still kind of getting better every year too. I know it's, he's been the the league for a while, but it seems like he's kind of just starting to come into his own. He's no longer just a dunker. He's only he's only he's 25 that can, himself. That, yeah, he's a guy that that has a game. You know, he's starting to develop his own game. So, even though he's trying to bring these young guys along, he's learning on his own too. So, it's 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 tough. You know, you, you want to see him as as a guy that elevates his team, but you know they're they're learning on the fly, and you can't you can't assume that he's he's uh he's gonna be the number one guy to lift them up. He he's the guy with the ball. And most of the time, those other guys are not the main, you know, not guys that that are killer scorers, you know, that he can kind of defer to. Absolutely, it's a it's a great point for sure. And I, I'm I'm torn. I'm I'm leaning towards I'm buying that he's actually a good player. I think a fair thing. And Frank, what you kind of were gonna you were trying to say, but I didn't give you the option. You could hold on Zach Levine because it's kind of unfair 
to really judge him with the cast he has around him. But but riddle me this. If Zach Levine is the best player on the Bulls by far, they are by far better than a team like the Wizards. How much different is Zach Levine's productivity to Bradley Beal's productivity? When Levine's shooting the hell out of the ball, more efficient on more shots from three, more assists than Bradley Beal. Yeah, he's not shooting 35, uh, or not putting up 35 points a game, but he's taking way less shots. So if the Wizards suck this year with Bradley Beal scoring 35 a game and the Bulls are fighting for an 8-9-10 seed and they're nearing 500, why would someone like Zach Levine not get a bump in productivity or you know looked at as a more winning player when we all sit here and adore Bradley Beal for putting up 35 on a 4-13 and team? I just want to say I don't. I'm going to raise my hand and say I, I don't. I know you didn't mean me specifically, but... Yeah, I did not. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just yeah. saying because, you know, there's there's a narrative thing. This could have been in the narrative section because a lot yeah. of these players get stuck in a narrative. And he, from my perspective, from what I'm seeing, his, his usage is down, his assist and points are up. He's taking less shots. He's scoring more points. His turnovers are up a little bit, so you can argue about that. But we see, you know, some of the best players in the league, you know, they lead the league in turnovers every year. So his usage is up. They need him to do a lot of things on offense. So I'm, I'm just saying, if he was on a team where he could actually assume the true number two role, like, it, you know, replace Chris Middleton with Zach Levine. Is he a two-time All-Star already? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's putting up numbers that are that are similar, and he's in that ilk where he can run the pick and roll. He can shoot spot up. He can attack on, on fast breaks. So, you know, situation becomes a huge part of this narrative. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. There's been a ton of reason to not like what Zach Levine's done on the floor in the past. But as this Bulls team, you know, creeps up towards respectability, it's going to be harder and harder to say this guy's not affecting uh, winning. So, winning. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll agree with that. I mean, dude, if he continues, what? It, like, I, I'll soft uh, sell. So, I, I don't want to hold. You, holding is cheating. Um <laughs> I'll soft. I'll keep some of my position, but I will sell most of it off. Okay. okay. Um. I mean, he like I I said it in my thing. He's he's at twenty six points, nearing fifty forty ninety. He has a fifty forty. He's you said before the pot. He's what eighty eight. Yeah, eighty six. I believe eighty six, eighty eight. He's close. He's really close. Mm-hmm. If if you can average twenty six points, shooting fifty forty ninety, and be at five and five or five and four even four and four, that's one of the 25 best players in the NBA. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you could shake it any differently, but yeah. I just don't prorate that out over the course of the whole season. So obviously we'll still see, but yeah, it's fair. And then obviously defense, you know, what's he doing on that end? Cause if you look at his stat line, it's uh nearly identical to Kawhi Leonard's right now, you know? And no, nobody's out here complaining about Kawhi Leonard's offense. Now, obviously, he's not controlling the game quite like Kawhi with the pacing and the attention that he draws. But from a pure statistical standpoint, they have a nearly identical stat line. Anyways, I digress and we move on to our next topic. This one's a fun one for me because this is a man who bet on himself. He was up in Boston. And yes, we're talking about Gordon Hayward. And he was injured. He got the short end of the stick with the injuries, you know, trying to fit in, trying not to do too much, trying to be a facilitator, but not trying to step on the toes of Kemba or Brown or Tatum. Now he's in Charlotte. And my guy looks like Utah Gordon Hayward once again. Are we buying the fact that Gordon Hayward can be the best player 
on a true playoff team. I'm not talking a title contender, but a team we look at and say, here we go. This team should be in the playoffs, and if they're not, it's a damn disappointment. Buying or selling Gordon Hayward's back to Utah level? I'm buying it. Easy buy. Um, I mean, this is... Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't have any numbers on Gordon Hayward, but if I had to guess before he got traded, he was probably somewhere close to like 25 points and like six assists and maybe like eight rebounds before he before he uh signed with boston became, in, in utah yeah before he became a celtic yeah. yeah he was probably a little lower on the rebound and assist front but yeah about 24 that's yeah it's good enough to be a playoff team especially in the eastern conference i mean i think the hornets as a team have a way to go around him but they're they're young and 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 you know like young guys grow faster than obviously you know, older guys who are more polished. So, um, yeah, I'll buy it. That's that's Utah, that's Utah Gordon, bro. That's that's the Mormon Gordon, bro. He's back. <laughs> Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, man. I I think uh, I'll be I'll be honest. I haven't seen that many um, actually games like sat down and watched the Hornets that much this year. I just know they have um, come through clutch for my cousin, my cousin Amir, in uh, in his betting so far. I know they've covered a lot of games. So <laughs> he, he like loves the Hornets. Great he bets the Hornets <laughs> all the time. So shout out, shout out Amir. But um, I get that money. Dude. You know what, man? <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. You gotta get that money. But <laughs> I, I I respect you know just how he's battled back, you know, from injuries and everything, you know, and kind of is taking over a new environment as a leader now. You know, you go from you go from the Jazz. And you go to the Celtics and you kind of, you know, originally you kind of start as the guy and then you get hurt and you come back and you have to play pretty much third fiddle to to Tatum and Brown. That's such an adjustment to make after you're kind of an established, not superstar, but everyone knows who you are and you're, and you know, you've had success in the league before. So him going down to the Hornets and kind of, being this being this leader and kind of taking over for for the young guys with Lamelo Ball, Devontae Graham, uh, you know, you see Zeller balling out now. Like, there, it's it's pretty Miles it's pretty Bridges crazy. sightings finally, dude. Bridges, right? Sorry, that's the one I missed too. Bridges, you know, like and dude, even Malik Monk. I heard Malik Monk's name for the first Malik time. Malik Monk had thirty six. Like yeah, he had thirty six last yeah. night. Like, this is this is a, a it could be a dangerous team, and and I'm happy that. He found somewhere that that fit and was like, you know what? Like Michael Jordan, you know, we always talk about, ah, like he's always taking on these bad contracts. This so far, I mean, this seems like a pretty good contract. You know, uh, if if you told a a Hornets fan before the season started that at the, you know, the 21 game mark, they're 10 and 11, they would be like, get the hell out of here. Well, they're, you know, they're they're in a different different spot than they probably have been in, in a long time. So hopefully they can, you know, they can keep it up. Yeah, and the classic uh, thing when you talk about a team like Charlotte, a small market team, or a team like Utah for that matter, you know when they mm-hmm. when they hand out a contract like that, a lot of people say, "Well, what the hell is Charlotte supposed to do with that money? Like they're not bringing in another free agent, they have a chance to get an All Star, Gordon Hayward, a guy mm-hmm. who has been a number one on a playoff team before. You know, you got to give that contract out now. Who knows, you know, how that contract will look in three years? But he's thirty years old. There's a great chance that contract looks fine in three years. So I, I think it's a great right. point all around. Uh, the Hornets are frisky, and 
their their level of of competence is raised. He's a floor raiser for this team. Whereas the Celtics were trying to have him be a ceiling raiser, but realistically, he always has been a floor raiser. So even how many points do I have total? Uh, you have seven and give yourself seven points. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Ding baby. Uh, yeah. So that, that's really that he, he has never been a true ceiling raiser, but he brings a team to competence where a lot of guys can't do that. We've talked about it just with Zach Levine. Has he been good enough Mm -hmm. to raise a floor? Maybe he's a ceiling raiser on a good team. He's not a true floor raiser and a carrier himself. Let's move on to our next two topics in the players uh, category. Let's move through these quickly because we got some team ones to get to in a minute. So, buy or sell, an MVP can come from Los Angeles. That means either LeBron James, maybe Anthony Davis, but his numbers haven't been so hot, or maybe Kawhi Leonard, or even our guy Paul George, who's been putting up some crazy numbers as well. Can the MVP come out of L.A. this year? Buy or sell, Kyle? And if so, who? Okay, I'm going to sell. I think it's gonna be. I think Embiid, if he if he stays on on pace, he will be the MVP. Um, we kind of I kind of talked about it before, just narrative and obviously production. He's he's going nuts right now. But if it were to be anyone, if it were to be anyone, I think it would be LeBron. And um, PG is actually going off if it's kind of crazy maybe he's up for most improved which i don't i don't think would be possible because he still had a good year but everyone if it was, everyone just if it was playoffs people. only he did this in the playoffs and it was playoffs only that right. Is a different guy. right like after after you saw him hit the side of the backboard and now you see him play everyone's like damn bro like pg's been working like like nah dude he was nice he just i don't know he just had a brain fart in the bubble i don't know what's good with him but if it would be anybody for me it would be lebron um and unfortunately uh Kawhi's and pg's numbers i feel like they cancel each other out since they're like mm-hmm. on the same team so i think it would be lebron but with that said yeah definitely de- i mean they're still having great seasons all three of them so can't complain frank so our departed member duff uh, just departed like left the pod <laughs> um he's very adamant he's still alive, still alive. yeah he's chilling he's chilling he's fine uh, <laughs> was very adamant that Kawhi leonard will, will not win the mvp and just because i like to argue with duff i'm gonna go with bye and I'm, I'm gonna say it's Kawhi's year that's so a, that's a point for arguing with duff Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so in like all of the like the statistical nerd stats, the ones that like, you know, like not your points per game, not your rebounds per game, but like your your efficiencies and your your defensive net and your offensive net and and all these other things when you take like a real deep dive, Kawhi is like literally number one at, at everything. So I, I don't really see how you could deny a guy like that especially if he's also like near the top of the charts and points per game and you know almost grabbing 10 boards a game to me it's like an an easy choice and he's not somebody that we should have like this tired narrative of already i feel like it's actually we're actually in the sweet spot of the Kawhi narrative the spurs stuff was like the prelude we didn't really know what was going on Mm. then he went to toronto 
had the biggest opening act you could probably ever have. Um, and then he went to LA and it was like one of the biggest falls you could have up three, one with a 20 plus point lead in mm. game five. Like, and I, I've read some things. I've heard th- some things that in the past kept Kawhi out of MVP talks just in general. And that was like his load management and just the way he's perceived, like the way he perceives the regular season. How could this guy win the regular season MVP if he doesn't give a fuck about the regular season, which has definitely been the perception of Kawhi from from Spurs hood yep. to last year with the Clippers. But I've been reading a bunch of things like apparently he's not so keen on uh, load management this year. And he actually does hear what people say about him. And it actually does affect his mental according to what he says which is like you know it's a foreign concept i thought he was a robot who who has no emotion so if he's gonna go out there and you know play 85 percent of this season's games mm. and you know just does what Kawhi does because that's what he's doing right now i think he's our mvp there you go i love that frank strong take out of you frank you're bringing the heat today i love it uh and yeah, Kawhi Leonard, man, he's at 17 games right now. I think he's only sat a couple and, and, and realistically, you know, he's, he's removed a little bit more from the injury, you, even though, you know, you've seen him in, in the playoffs in Toronto, like limping around after the games, he's removed from that last year, you know, it was a weird one. I think you could probably describe Kawhi Leonard's career arc in J Cole mixtape and albums. Yo, you know, had the warm up <laughs> in San Antonio, the come up. Uh, in Toronto, and then he had, you know, his first year in L.A. was, you know, when Tupac told J. Cole, oh, not Tupac, sorry, he, he, he's not with us. <laughs> sorry. Um, when, he is departed. When, when, actually yeah, he's departed. actually departed. Yeah. When Nas told J. Cole that he didn't like his shit, and then he came up with the yep. song, I'll let Nas down. Now now Kawhi is here. It's for 2014 Forest Hills Drive and all that shit. He's on, he's on his A game. He's, he's in legendary Holy status, so... Uh, I think it's possible. Any J. Cole shout out, I'm 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 down with, bro. There you go. And if Kawhi was repped by Puma, it would be even better. But he ain't. He's with New Balance. Him and New Balance. Ain't nobody rocking them doo doo ass kicks, man. (laughs) (laughs) Them basketball New Balances. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody ever said, "Yo, let me get them New Balance basketball sneakers, man." If you don't get off the court. I mean, I feel like when I used to play, you, you intentionally avoided the kid in New Balance because this was before New Balance Max. made basketball shoes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. That's a kid who ran track because he couldn't play any other sports. Oh, my gosh. Man, now that I think about it, bro, I, I still got PTSD. <laughs> my dad tried to convince me that dudes was playing basketball in K-Swiss. I was like, oh, yeah. He's, He's like, not lying, yeah, though. Dude, football in K-Swiss sneakers. I was like – Okay, so I bought K Swiss sneakers like my first or second year of CYO basketball. And I look back at it, I was like, man, I hope them shits was on sale because I was like, yo, dude, like, <laughs> I was really out there in some K Swiss playing ball. Everybody had Jordans and Nikes. They're like, yo, what are those? I'm like, you never heard of K Swiss? Hell no, I never heard of K Swiss. <laughs> oh my God, my dad got me. Oh my God. But yo, if you're rocking, rocking K Kicks, if man. you're rocking some K Swiss, but you're dropping 20 on folks, it doesn't matter. I remember my boy. Uh, Listen, bro. You remember Charlie from the yeah. from the wreck at TCNJ, bro? Bro, hell yeah, I remember Charlie. Charlie, me and Charlie were on a on a few uh, on a few wreck teams together, bro. Bro, Charlie, was, come out here right. with a mustache, short shorts, bro. and and uh, white Yo. vans, bro, and he'd be wrecking folks at the rec center. 
Yo, so so quick story. So Charlie played basketball at Cardinal McCarrick, which is in our conference, and we played them my junior year. That was the like we like went down a division from the red to the white, but the white white was still like really tough. So we play them, and I see Charlie same outfit like with the high ass white socks, yep. the the high ass shorts, hair combed over. I'm like, yo, does this is this dude like? supposed to be on the floor right now so he's we're about Dude, to tip the ball off. nba street volume two yo i swear so he's he's like yo he points he's at such me, a vivid you know. image of this guy it's all i can see <laughs> he's like yo he he points to his boys like yo i got him and he's pointing at me so i turned to my i turned to my boy i remember I turned to Quan. i was like i got a mismatch bro give me the ball so he gets the ball and i'm guarding him and he pulls up, and you know Charlie had range from from Bro, the parking lot. Crazy! And he catches it from like ten feet behind the three point line, and knocks it down. And I remember I turned, I we were jogging back down. I was like, "Yo, he's nice, yo. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a long night. It's gonna be a long night. Yeah, it's not what you think. When you see somebody rocking no swag, it goes one of two ways. They're Bro. either absolute trash or they are nice and the don't best, give a They're hell. probably the best person Charlie, there. Or Charlie was a there, different yeah. different animal, bro. That was a different breed right there. Shout oh out to Charlie. I actually think I know who you're talking about just from like waiting for my game after at the rec center. You're yeah, seeing this like dude. very unassuming kid dropping buckets on everybody. His stash, man. Everybody knew but for that. Stuff. I was, I was when you, when you said the unassuming part. Uh, Robert Salah, the guy that just just hired, had a great quote about yeah. Pat Mahomes, and uh, oh yes, but pretty much just saying how you know he can't walk straight, but that dude fucking is a baller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. He has that. Don't be fooled, man. He, walks, he, he walks might, he like might jog like an old man. <laughs> he said he jogs like an old man whose feet always hurt, and it was the most accurate description of his running I've ever heard. But it's, it's like obviously he ain't hurt, bro. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. He like walks on his heels, <laughs> bro. I, he like be waddling. I, I, that's a great, that's yep. a great point. Oh my god, that's good stuff right there. Oh my god, that is good stuff. One ding for everybody. Uh, let's skip the the last player one. Right, the the topic was Ken. Yeah, this, I don't give a shit about Kemba. This, <laughs> I think that tells us all we need to know about Kemba Walker right now. The topic was going to be buy or sell. The Celtics can't win with Kemba. You know, can they win with Kemba? Sure, but it would be because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You know did what they had to do. But a lot of people are thinking if Kemba's not doing his thing, they can't reach the highest peak. I don't know. We're not going to talk about it. We got future podcasts talking about the Celtics. We got other topics that are uh, more interesting right now. So let's move on to our last category. I kind of lost count there. I think Kyle took a one-point lead there somewhere, eight to seven. Frank, you probably got It's eight to eight. We're just going to say this. It's eight to eight. We're going into our last category, Frank versus Kyle, and we're on to team slash coaches. So, the Dallas Mavericks have been a big topic this week because of their lackluster play recently. The laissez-faire attitude from Luka Doncic where he's complaining about a lot of things. He's looking a little bit disengaged, yet he's still dropping 30 on your head. Not sure what's going on with KP and his health. Is he going to get back to the right level he needs to be at? Plus a supporting cast. A lot of questions about Dallas. That being said, are we buying or selling the Dallas Mavericks a playoff team? Because remember... If they're not a playoff team, the Knicks get an unprotected lottery pick from Dallas. So, are we buying or selling the Mavericks turn this thing around? Are they a playoff team? 
Frank. Oh, man. And I'm not talking um, about, uh, you know, if they're in the 8 through 10 in, in the play-in situation, that you counts. Know, that doesn't count. I'm saying, are they a playoff team? Are they locked into the playoffs, not a play-in team? No, I'm selling. This is the bottom of the Western Conference team. A uh, bottom of the Western Conference playoff table team. Not bottom, bottom. But they will be right in that range you just mentioned. Eight, they're nine, a, ten. They're a play-in team. Up. They're a play-in, yes. not a playoff. Exactly. That will be my whole entire point. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm KP's only played down. 10 games. Big facts. Big facts. So, yo, great, great point. Great point, Frank. Say that again if you wanted to. KP only playing. Yeah, you could. This will this will count for his points if you want, because uh, I said it in his time. Also, also Maxi Kleba. That one goes to me though. Maxi Kleba, <laughs> ten games only. <laughs> Dwight Powell, DMP bro, coach gonna, decision. What? Yeah, bro. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna I, like I said before. You know, on the last pod that I was on, we were talking about, you know, uh, real or fake, and I said I was like, look, man. The Mavs, just like Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. They are, they are whack. They stink. And <laughs> I, so I am selling. I'm selling on the Mavericks. I, I said it a couple of weeks ago. So like, yo, what, what you're seeing is what we're getting from the Mavs, dude. And you know what? There's no one on the team that can play defense. Who the hell is helping out Luka offensively? And also, when the hell is KP coming back? All right, when is he going to be healthy? And you know what? We all know the answer because we're all Knicks fans. He ain't going to be healthy for the rest of the year. He's probably going to be, True. you know, he's going to be iffy. He's going to be in and out. Oh, he's got a he's got a hamstring. He's got an ankle. He's got a shoulder. Sore knee. It's going to be, un- unfortunately, right. Yeah, right. Sore knee. And like, obviously. You don't even have to be not, an injury. You just wishing, make it up. Right. And I'm, and I'm not wishing any injury on anybody. But I'm just saying, his reliability as far as health as a basketball player is not very strong right now, up, you know, up until this point in his career. So I'm not going to make my bet on him coming back and actually, and on top of that, playing well and being effective. So I'm a hard, hard, hard sell. When my, my last, last point, um, Timothy Harden Jr. has had Harden. I don't even know if I said uh, <laughs> what? Jesus Christ. I might just stop right there. Uh, Hardaway Jr. though, he's been having a good year, and you hear about it. But when he's your second best offensive option, you're not a playoff team, not in the Western Conference. Facts. Fair. Right. That's you, a great point. You get, I want a deduction of a point for I'll, that mini stroke. I'll, I'll That's. <laughs> That's that's James. That's James Harden's dad's son, right? Timothy that's, that's, that's Timothy James Harden, Harden Jr. Bro. <laughs> what? That's <laughs> um, all right. Yo, hold on. Ready for this stat? You guys are gonna be like, what? Yeah, the worst three point field goal percentage in the whole league goes to the Dallas Mavericks. Thirty two point eight percent as a team. That's a that full percentage sense. point makes sense. behind the Timberwolves who haven't had Towns, who mostly haven't had Russell, and Towns shoots like 40% from three. So, you know, that he would help the, the Timberwolves in that regard. Bro, 
They're in the the range of the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Knicks, the Magic, except that they're worse than all of them at three-point shooting, a team that needs to shoot threes. Luke is not an efficient three-point shooter, though he hits very tough ones. It's ugly right now. A lot of people were trying to praise their offseason. I didn't get it. The Josh Richardson I saw in Philly left me uninspired, and so far, a lot of the same in Dallas. He show, showed a couple signs in the last game, but they lost to Phoenix. Um I'm with you. I think they're a play-in team, not a play-off team. I'm right there. You look at this Western Conference, and we slept on the Memphis Grizzlies again. We slept on the Spurs being competent. The Kings are in the same ilk as the Mavericks right now, and when you say that, you're talking about a play-in team, not a play-off team. All right, moving on. We only got a couple topics left. This is a team I purposely just didn't mention, but right now, better than the Mavericks. Playing awesome, awesome defense since the Timothy Harden Jr. trade. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got the Houston Bro, Rockets. I don't even know where it came from. Holy <laughs> shit. We got the Houston Rockets. They've won six in a row. Six in a row. And their defense is stout. Christian Wood is balling. All right. So this is how I want to phrase this question because it's kind of a tough one. There's a little bit of nuance here. I'm not saying... The Rockets are better without James Harden because obviously peak James Harden, we know he carries to a top four seed. It's what he's done four years in a row, right? So we're not going to say that. But in particular to this year, are the Houston Rockets right now a real, legit, competent basketball team better than they were with fat man James Harden? Uh, Maybe that's James Harden's alternate ego, Timothy Harden Jr., uh, are the Rockets legit? Are they going to be hanging around as a play-in team after everybody counted them out as a tanker once Harden left town? Yeah, big time buy. Easy buy. Easy buy. Timothy Harden Jr., James Harden's 20-pound heavier brother. <laughs> Start of the season for the Rockets. Um, yeah, dude, having a player not bought in like that, like I, I hate to use this word because it's very visceral for people but it's cancerous it it kills culture it kills chemistry it it kills everything it's just it's it's the reason why guys with a profile like james harden can force their way out of a situation because they can make it so toxic that it actually really is at a it's a detriment to everybody else in the organization um so yes uh not it's and it's not even fucking close that's my point. Not even close. Much better. Yeah, you know what? I, I um, I'm gonna buy. You know, we're asking correct. Better without Harden. That's yeah. The question. Yeah, 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 man. I mean, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes, you know, even though you may have more talent on the team, the team chemistry, you know, locker rooms are super important. So at, you don't have to like every single guy that you play with, but there has to be some kind of like, hey, you know what? I respect what you do on the court, and I appreciate you know what you do. I, I value what you bring to our team. Harden legit just straight up said like, yeah, like this is just like a bad team. And since he's left, they've been seven and three. So clearly, it was just like a lack of kind of respect for the Rockets in the team that they had. Since he's left, they're number. They said you know number one in defensive rating, hundred three point five points per hundred percent possessions which is you know ridiculous 
for the if they're the classic, you know, <laughs> you you take the the Rockets from last year, and even though they're kind of like a small ball team, they're known for just going up and down. You know, now they said that the pace, you know, since since Harden has left, they've been able to get up and down a little more, bit more. John Wall looks really, he kind of looks like himself. You know, looks pretty healthy. And he's kind of been the engine just just driving this team right now. And you can tell he's kind of taking over a little bit of a leadership role. Maybe him and Cousins linking back up, you know, that, that college kind of relationship starting back up is kind of helping that, you know, kind of rejuvenating their careers a little bit. So they, they got a good thing going. And obviously, don't forget about Old Depot. Yep. It's just yep. coming in and, and giving them great production. Just right fitting. Now. Just all so, he, it, it's, yeah, dude. He just fits. And I, I just want to build off this. Uh, I think it's specific to the six game win streak that Pete mentioned, but it also might just be since the Old Depot trade. Um, the numbers for these guys across the board, I don't know if any of them averaged 20 points. Christian Wood. Woods might average 20 points per game over this span. He does. But you got John Wall at 17 and a half. Uh, you got Deep Depot since he's been in Houston is at 19 and a half. And even Boogie Cousins off of, I mean, when's the last time we saw him actually play? Back-to-back he's season aver- enders, like, yeah. And he's, he's averaging almost 14 and 10, I think, or like 14 and mm. 7, something like that. Like, uh... To the point, like, and I hate to say it again, but when you cut out that piece that that clearly doesn't want to be there and is and is you know um, forcing the forcing sickness upon the team, like it, it's it's definitely like Ewing theory, Jace. Like, yeah, you lost a little bit of talent, but now everybody's on the same playing field. Everybody's bought into the same thing. They're a team, probably for the first time in the past six months, yeah. maybe even longer than that. So. Definitely better. The mistake that everybody made when the Harden trade happened is looking at Victor Oladipo and being like, oh, you know, he's not healthy. He's not right. He's done. Like, nah, he was showing signs in Indiana that he was getting back to that healthy level, you know, all-star, near all-star level that he's been at in the past. For the season, he's averaging 20. Since he's been in Houston, his shots are down a little bit, but he's efficient. He's at 19, like Frank said. But Christian Wood, man, holy hell. All right, so here's the guy got cut twice. Here's a hot, hot take for y'all. Are you ready for this? Christian Woods take. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, ready? Give it to me. This is going to be very specific. I want to sound, I don't want to sound ridiculous right now. But when you see a dude getting the ball (laughs) right inside the three point line or right at the foul line extended range and takes like a big Euro or like a big stride to go finish, Christian Wood might look closest to Giannis as anybody in the league right now. Have you seen this guy catch the ball on a fast break or out of a pick and roll, roll into the hoop, take two strong steps and throw down hammers that should not be dunks? It's crazy. The length on this guy is crazy, and he looks kind of skinny out there on the court, but he's banging and he's physical. You know, you see, you see Giannis, sometimes he gets to the rim and you're like, there's no reason a human being should have dunked that ball it should have been a layup. It should have been a floater. But he gets to the ball to the rim and and fucking throws it down. Christian Wood is doing a lot of that in Houston right now. So I'm not trying to be like, yo, Christian Wood's Giannis, bro. Obviously not. But when you watch this dude play in the fast break, or when he gets even the slightest head of steam, bro, there's some finishes that he's th- throwing down that are next level. Right now he's 23 points. 
He's 55% from the field, 39% from three on four and a half attempts, which is damn good, over 10 rebounds and just under two blocks. Christian Wood is straight balling. The Houston Rockets are actually pretty damn good. All right, two more topics, and we say goodbye. This one could be a quick one. I don't know. Buy or sell. I'm going to add one part to this. Buy or sell. The Cavs are a 500 team who's actually good at defense. No. They no. <laughs> might actually be good at defense. 500 team. I like Sexland as much as the next guy. Uh, I like how they've pivoted on the rest of the NBA and just said, you don't want the big man? That's fine. We will take every single one of them that you don't want. I think that's kind of cool, and I respect it. But uh, I just don't see it. I, I don't – I mean, there's not enough shooting. Colin Sexton has made a jump so far this year, but he's somebody that traditionally I'm very unimpressed with what he's shown so far. Um, yeah, I just don't see the 500 part of it. Has Kevin Love been playing? No. So I guess that hurts my case, but I'm going to stick to where I'm at. Well, it helps and hurts because the defense will get worse, but the offense will get better. But how much better will the offense get when he comes back? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Kyle, what do you think I mean, about the Cavs? Point JaVale is scary. <laughs> <laughs> for for the Cavs and for him, his own health. <laughs> I think I'm going to, I mean, I've been, I've been buying a whole lot today. I'm going to run out of money, but I'm going to buy again. All right. I think wow. they're definitely, you know why? Because Jared Allen and Sexton defensively. All right. If you have a guard, if you have a guard that can defend, you know, and you have a, a rim protector behind you, you know, always leads to good things. And also, if if it was any other season, I don't know if we'd be saying this, but Milwaukee's in the division. And if I'm the Cavs, I guess the past couple of years, you'd be like, oh, well, that's we're probably going to win like 25% of those games. Now, I'd be like, why would I be worried about the, the Bucks right now? I would take... You know, I would take our chances against the Bucks every night if I'm the Bulls. I mean, I'm sorry, if I'm the Cavs. Um, you know, there's <laughs> I I know we've we've seen so many so much success from from the Bucks and everything, but I think everyone is starting to realize like, all right, word, like just take away Giannis or live with live with him shooting threes and make someone else beat us. And with this roster that they've constructed and kind of given away too many pieces or not sign the right guys, there aren't many other options that are going to kill you offensively for, for the Bucks. So if the Cavs can lock in and defend and give themselves a chance towards the end uh, of each game, get it down to a couple possessions, you never know what's going to happen. I think in years past, the game against the Bucks has probably been a 20-point blowout most of the time. But now, I mean, they're they're kind of hitting their stride right now, and, and the Bucks are kind of just a middle-of-the-pack team right now in the East. So, I'm going to hang closer to Kyle on this one. I think the 500 part of this will be really tough to actually hit. But the defense, I think, is real. And Jarrett Allen, man. Goddamn, every Nets fan who turns on a Cavs game and see him just balling, they're like, goddamn. I know we got James Harden, but that sucks to see the one missing piece we have on this roster out there balling yeah. in yeah. Cleveland. So that sucks, and I, I just think that their their floor has raised exponentially, and you look at this roster, and you're like, all right, 
maybe there's a reason why their defense has been that good. Think about who they got going around. Colin Sexton, tough, gritty guy who's going to guard his ass off. Even if he can get beat, you know, one-on-one, he's going to guard his ass off. Drummond and Jared Allen can protect the rim. Chetty Osmond, Turian Prince, and the rookie Isaac Okoro are grinders and got good frames out there on defense. And you throw in Larry Nance and, uh, you know, JaVale McGee for a minute or two. There's a reason why their defense is actually solid. I'm afraid about this offense. Colin Sexton, I'm not sure he could carry them for a whole year. So Kevin Love could come in and help the offense out a little bit. He's only played two games so far. You know, we'll see. I'm a soft buy there, too. I think the defense is real. Uh, the offense will probably be the detriment of their 500 wishes. But speaking of offenses being a detriment to 500 wishes, we're on to our last topic. <clears throat> and this one is a team-slash-coach topic here. And I just wrote down one word. So I'm going to say it like this. Are we buying or are we selling Tom Thibodeau? Yeah, 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 Ky- yeah. Kyle, Kyle, go first, baby. What do you got? The boy. All right. We've talked about it before. Um, I think the last time we talked about Tibbs, we were saying like, dude, you know what? We kind of need to get more guys, more minutes. And we need to get more guys in rotation. I'm tired of seeing some of the starters playing 38 minutes in a game. Maybe, uh, and I I think I, I might be losing my mind, but I feel like we kind of are seeing more guys get more minutes, and we're and and maybe it may not be the guys that we we all want to see right now, and maybe Obi Top, um, Obi Toppin needs to like get uh his confidence up and i think that's a him problem and not a not a tips problem right now but with that said like a guy like austin rivers that was getting like 10 minutes a game is now getting close to 20 getting 20 minutes a game quickly is getting uh you know 20 25 minutes a game now so this is that was kind of what we were like just hoping for like dude get quickly more minutes get you know uh burks more minutes once he's healthy let's get all these guys more minutes so we can get RJ off the floor a little bit and get Randall off the floor a little bit. But we've, we've said, we just want the Knicks to be competitive. We want them in every game and they have been all right. And, and this is the first year and we've already seen so much progress. So I, I would be wrong if I said I, I wouldn't want to buy this and I just hope we keep getting better, man. Keep going up. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such an easy buy. Uh, the Knicks are in a position that they haven't been in, and probably like, but I I actually said this to a, a different group of friends, but I feel like the Knicks are nearing where they were at before they signed Amari and traded the boat for Mello, which you know wasn't the best place to be, but it was looking upwards. There was young players making progress, like week by week tangible progress that you could see that you could feel um you know they they lack depth to your point like you know it's 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 hard to get a lot of these guys minutes because sometimes they don't perform well enough but they all play hard and that makes up for talent gap in a lot of these games that they've been playing and then you know you hit on a guy in late first round pick like quickly and if he keeps going at the rate he's going and 
you know, it's obvious that Tibbs sees it too because to start the season, obviously Alfred Payton is still a starter. Alfred Payton was a starter, but he was also the closer. He's playing fourth quarters. Uh, the last four games, at least, quickly has played the majority of the fourth quarter minutes at the point guard position. Um, so it seems to me that Tibbs is not just out there, you know, getting people to work hard and getting people to buy into a vision, but actually like game planning and trying to win games, which like if you're a Knicks fan and you're still on with the tank, like, you know, just don't talk to me. It's okay. You can do that. Just go do it by yourself. Um, I'm ready to win some games. I'm ready to show something. I'm ready. Like, you know, maybe entice a free agent because there's a team, not just a market. So yeah, I'm all in. Give me Tibbs, hundred times out of a hundred. Best coach we've had, right, dude. In probably ten years, at least. I love that. And, and number one, and number one in defense. Like I, I, I remember watching in the, you know crossing over a little bit, but watching Giants games right last year and kind of Knicks games too, right? We watched their games and we're like, all right, dude, yo, we're losing and we're giving up, you know, hundred thirty points a night. Or we're giving up forty something points a night. Now we're all right. We're we're giving up a hundred twenty, hundred, you know, ten points a night. Okay, but we're, we're in the game now. Like we're a possession away. We're not like completely out of the picture. Like we're we're actually defending and giving ourselves a shot at the end of the game. If we if we lose a game because we, we have less talent, whatever, dude. We we know what our roster is. But if we're losing. Uh, you know, games, and we're just getting completely blown out because of effort and because our defense is terrible. I'd rather lose the close game and be like, hey, dude, well, I mean, they have Kevin Durant and James Harden and not, hey, you know what? We just have no one that can play, you know, play defense. And we can't, you know, we we can't stop a park car, then whatever. You know, I, I'd, rather lo- I'd rather lose like that completely. It's actually, 100%. it's like the anti-Nets. Right, we keep saying with the Nets, it's like, all right, they're gonna give up one twenty-five, yeah. they're gonna score one twenty-seven, or be you know in it at that last possession where they can score one twenty-seven and come out with a victory. The Knicks are are the same but opposite because you know they might be playing a game one hundred two to one hundred two, which isn't the most exciting. It's not exactly mm-hmm. normal for today's NBA, but if they're keeping a team in the in the low hundreds, and they're getting to low hundreds, which is really like their ceiling in a lot of these games, they're not scoring a crap ton of points. But they're in it, and those clutch time situations become all the more important. You know, I love analytics as much as the next guy. Like I, I, I probably would say I'm I'm more analytic, or more I- analytically interested, and I use them more than like the average fan. Right? That's probably obvi- uh, fair to say. But one thing I will always, always hold on to is at the end of a game, the shot that goes in is the best shot. You can talk about. Uh, points per shot or true shooting percentage as much as you want. But you have a guy who is very comfortable in the mid range when you're less than a minute, it doesn't matter if it's not as, you know, it's not as uh what's it called? Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Statistically. It, yes. Or an, uh, yeah. I, I, like analytically correct. Exactly. It's not analytically correct because, you know, if you take the three pointer over the course of a season, you're getting this many more points. If you get to the free throw line, you're getting this many mm-hmm. more points. That stuff. I agree with a million percent, a hundred times over, but in the end of a game in close situations, you got a guy like Emmanuel quickly who it's crazy. We're looking at him as like our real closer, but he really is. He's got that floater game. If he's at, 
you know, 49% on that floater, and he's shooting a solid 37% from three. In the end of the game, the mid-range floater is a better shot, right? So, it, it, and these things come into play, and now the Knicks have an opportunity to even take those swings, whereas in the past, they didn't even have a chance. They never had a, a clutch time statistic that was meaningful because they got the clutch time three times a, game, a year. You know, now they're in clutch time, you know, twice a week. So it's very mm-hmm. exciting. It's an obvious buy on Tibbs. That doesn't mean there's not places to poke holes in Tom Thibodeau and what he's doing right now. I know, um, and Kyle, I'm curious about your take on this because I feel like I'm, I'm like classic media guy narrative here, but you being a coach and you played way more serious basketball than I have in my day, I wish he had a quicker trigger with the rotations like he did with calling timeouts. Now, Duffy said to me, he's like, yo, but mm-hmm. these – these bench players are expecting to come in at this certain time and get these certain matchups and whatever. Like I, I kind of wish he had a quicker trigger and was a little bit more adventurous with the rotations, especially because the expectations of this team are not that high. What do you, what do you think about that with the rotation stuff? Do you think he should be a little bit more, you know, free willing or freewheeling with that? Or do you like the structured uh, substitutions? I know a lot of coaches like to have structured subs, you know, at certain, you know, hey, say if it's, you know, obviously 12-minute quarters with with the NBA, all right, hey, at, you know, 5.30, I want to get this guy in and take out such and such, you know, take out this guard or take out this center. But also sometimes you kind of get into the reactive instead of like kind of demonstrating either the pace or who you want or the lineups you want. So maybe sometimes like, you know, because a lot of times, all right, coaches will look to the other bench and say, all right, oh, shit, okay, yo, they're getting a guard in for their big, okay, and now we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to change up our matchups. All right, let's get our guard in and, you know, so we can match up with them. Sometimes it's good to kind of, um, you know, be the one that sets, you know, sets the the lineup up or sets the tone in the sense like, all right, you know what? We're going to go small here and we're going to try and get up and down, you know, or Force them to react. we're going to, right. We're going to bring in a big and see what they do to this four. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's a lot. So it sounds like you want to see a little bit away with it. You, it sounds like you want to see a little bit more experimentation from tips. It sounds like a little bit more. Yes. And, and, and it's just, it's just because we, we have obviously this is not a year where we're thinking championship. So let's freaking see what we have mm. there. there we're, we're not going to, we're not going to lose. We, we may lose a game on, on four minutes, you know, in a span of four minutes and, and change the momentum and everything, but we're going to know what we have by the midway of the season. And then, all right, you know what? That guy should not be playing. That guy should be playing, you know, and we can kind of really figure out who's going to stay on this team for the long run. Instead of, hey, let's just let's let's stay in the the, the constant flow of the game almost right. to right. to compete for a six seven seed. You know, we we know where we're gonna be. We're gonna we're gonna be the battle in the barrel if we get into the playoffs. But let's just at least see what we have. So I, I I agree with you. We can we can have some structure, but also have some some freedom as well. Mm. I like that. That's good stuff. Uh, that's it. That's all of our topics. By the way, I have. I have a count of 11 to 11 right now, which is super lame. Uh, but I also probably missed counting a bunch of these things because I'm trying, I don't know, I'm trying to hit buttons. I'm trying to write down stuff. But right now, this is how we're going to decide it. 
It's at the end of the podcast, NBA Outsiders, Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Kyle Anderson, Frank Villani. We're going to do last words here, and that's how I'm going to decide who's the winner of our inaugural, uh, (laughs) what is it called? uh, Circumnavigate the trumpet. (laughs) Yes. 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 The first circumnavigation of the the horn-shaped trumpet. Um, Last words. (laughs) Frank Villani, we're going to you first as the more tenured co-host of this podcast you're going first last words for the win what do you got boy on the um, spot bro you didn't know it meant this much did you no i didn't i'm <laughs> not prepared at all today so it's kind of blows but um <laughs> um i'm trying i want i want one of my hot ones like i don't know we we'll, we'll kind of hit them on hit on them today though it doesn't. Um, it doesn't have to be basketball. If you got something else for me, I don't know what it is. It could be a Super Bowl take. I don't know. Whatever you want. Super Bowl is boring, bro. You know. Actually, this year I think it'll be entertaining and fun. But uh, I ain't talking football, bro. Not here. I talk <laughs> baseball, if anything else, bro. Um. Damn. Yeah, sure. You know what? That's perfect. This is a perfect, You're perfect well. final word. And I'm glad you gave me a little bit of time to think about it, <laughs> Mickey. Callaway. Oh no, here we go. Innocent until proven guilty, no doubt about it. You know? But fuck you and I hope you're guilty. <laughs> you and I, I wanna oh see God. the video of this guy in the courtroom when they oh, if, no. if if it's even something like that where he can get arrested, it's probably not. He probably just like lose his job and not work in the public eye again. But if he if there's a situation where we can get Mickey Calloway in a court just getting sentenced to prison i just want to see the look on his face and if he's got that same stupid fucking smirk he had when he when he helped blow that seven run lead in the ninth inning in fucking washington i just want to know if it's only when everyone else around him is feeling pain or when he himself is feeling it stupid smirk (laughs) all right kyle what do you got Oh, all right. This is I was thinking the whole time when when Frank was thinking. Yeah, different talking. different level of pressure when you know the last words mean nothing but still something. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it has to be something interesting. I can't be like, hey, so by the way, I uh, <laughs> like some idiot. Like I don't know. I can't be saying something stupid. Yeah, I'm about to give all the right. fucking title to Andrew Duffy. Say. He has one point still. Yeah. So all right, this is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say for the Super Bowl. Okay, for the Super Bowl, I would hammer every over there is possible in the betting statistics. Oh, hammer every freaking over you can think of because there is going to be zero defense and points are going to be going all over the place. That's that's my take. That's okay. what I think is going to happen. So I think um, also I think it's going to be the Bucks. I've been oh. saying all year oh. that the Chiefs were going to lose at some Spicy. point. I've been saying it all year. That the Chiefs are gonna lose. And I've been telling everyone, you can, you can, you can book it. You can ask anyone, you can, you know, anyone that I talk to about football, they're gonna lose. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll admit it next time I call into the pod. But if I'm when I'm right, I'm freaking right. And I think I'm gonna be right. All right, there we go. We I was got- I I just have one thing to say about that take. Yes, sir. Uh Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have never beaten Tom Brady. Oh. Didn't they beat them this year? Well, they beat them this year. The Chiefs beat the Bucks this year. The Chiefs beat the Bucks this year. However, wait, that true? When the fuck? 
Where did? Why did I read that then? Also, also, also. Didn't they Chiefs? Play? Or maybe it was in the playoffs. They've never beat them in the playoffs. Week twelve. Yeah, they they, they lost. Right, uh, so I'm just gonna caveat it. They've never beat them in the playoffs. That's definitely true. Bars. All right. That's definitely true. All right, I guess we got to wait. Also, last hand. one, last one, last one, last one. And the Chiefs have a backup, have like two backup tackles, two backup linemen, I think. Okay. Uh, going this week. So that's going to be night-night for Shaq Barrett and my boy, my man with six fingers, <laughs> Pierre Paul. So he's about to ball out. So. All right, I'm giving the – uh, Playoff JPP is about to ball out. I'm giving, I'm giving the interim belt to Kyle right now. But – but Frank, you're <laughs> not dead. Line. You're not dead yet, Frank. <laughs> if the Chiefs win, it gets switched over to Frank. That's why. That's Let's how go. it's going. That's how Let's it's go. going. That's fair. That's how All it's going. Chiefs. I like those odds. To add to Kyle's take here, I'm going under in the first quarter. Over for the game. First quarter is going under. Yeah. That's my hot take. I'm coming back with uh, I think Pat Boyle later in the week. We're gonna do Super Bowl preview picks and parlays and props and who knows what. We're gonna have some fun with it. But this was great fun. What'd you guys think of the the Around the horn set up here. Was this, it a good time? It. This was good dope, time? man. We went long as hell, but hey, we had a good time. Yeah, but we hit hit a lot of topics though. It we was did. Good. We could probably tighten up. You know, up. usually usually we'll go long. Usually we'll go long and we hit like three topics or four <laughs> topics. We'll talk forever. But this time we fucking sure. hit like 12, 15 pot topics in, in sure, an hour actually. and what, 40? Something yeah. Like that. Hour 40. Yeah. Almost on the dot. Good stuff. Um, all right, yo. For Frank Villani, for Kyle Anderson, my name is Peter Kennedy. This has been Subway Sports Talk. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Also, a uh, fun thing, if you're still here, you probably like this podcast. I, that's appreciative from us, or appreciated from us. I do want to mention my buddies at Run Up The Score, Ruts FF. Their fantasy football podcast is fantastic. They also do a Super Bowl pool, a prop bet pool every single year. It's free, and the winner gets whatever NFL jersey you want, jersey of your choosing, on the Ruts Boys if you win the free Super Bowl prop bet pool. So I just want to say that. Check them out at RutzFF on Instagram, Twitter. You can find that there. Uh, that's a that's a free plug for my buddies because they do a sick job over there. And your boy is the defending champ. I got that fresh Larry Fitz jersey Ooh. for winning that. So I'm trying to defend, hey. my, I'm trying to defend hey. my title, so come at me over here. How old are you? Tough. Larry, every dad's favorite player. You don't have a kid yet, bro. What the fuck? Yo, all right, this here we go. Here be my here will be my last words for you, Frank, because this actually ties together. You said dad energy right there, Larry Fitzgerald. So Larry Fitzgerald's a goddamn baller. So watch your mouth, first off. Second Straight off, up, I'm not disrespecting, I'm just saying he's every dad's favorite. That's yes. all I was trying to say. Well, he, like you ain't a dad he yet. He is bro. my favorite player, perhaps. I think he's a, he's my favorite player of all time. I'll say it right now. But my hey, dad Pete, was. Pete might have some kids, you know, scrambling somewhere. You know, <laughs> some <laughs> illegitimate kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> some little Pedro somewhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so all right. My dad was very adamant. This is why you, I'm glad you said that, Frank. My dad was adamant when I started playing football that if I scored a touchdown, I gave the ball to the referee some. some some celebrating with teammates, maybe a little a little jump, but maybe uh, some high fives. Back to the sideline. Ball to referee, uh, a quick celebration with teammates only, and back to the sideline. And I swear to God, I, I scored one of the biggest touchdowns of my career. You know, St. Joseph by the Sea for you Staten Island folks who, who know the rivalry between mm. Monsignor Farrell and St. Joseph by the Sea. You know, fourth quarter, iced the game. 
fucking 30-yard touchdown, and I, I crossed the, the end zone plane, and I dropped the ball behind me, and I do a little bit of an airplane action uh, into the, the turned around, see my teenagers jump up, get all hyped up. Biggest game of the year. I think it was homecoming too, actually. My, nah, maybe not. Whatever. It doesn't matter. And my dad, first words to me after that game, you didn't give the ball to the ref when you scored that touchdown. I was like, God damn. <laughs> God damn. You did everything right, but you disappointed Come on, dad. dad. Yeah, exactly. So, Larry Fitz, maybe I should have watched him a little more. I would have gave the ball to the ref first instead of dropping it into the I'm out here. I'm out here balling, Dad. You worry about me giving the ball to the ref? <laughs> you should have yeah, you should have just looked at that and gave him the discount double check at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> you should have just went all in, you know what Yo, I mean? Just it's like down. it's like always hindsight. Like I've gotten thrown out of a baseball game before, and then on, on your way out, you're like why didn't I just fucking go nuclear and start like <laughs> eating fuck. sand and fucking like, you know what I mean? So right. If you're going to do it so once, right. you might as well do it to like, Oh my might God. Well go off. I you, might, you might as well get sick from it. Oh my God. That's right. good stuff. I'm about to get sick from laughing over here. This is good stuff. <laughs> Kyle Anderson, Frank Velotti, I'm Pete Kennedy. Subway sports talk, baby. Cheers. Yeah.